0: do me a favor If you have your Bible turn with me to John chapter 3 I'm going to be jumping around in the scriptures this morning so uh, that's probably as good a place to start as any uh, inside of your uh, bulletin as a handout I encourage you to get that out and follow along that you can uh, that's your that's a great prep for your small group uh, as well and so take some notes and get ready for your small group as we we're kind of coming down the home stretch of creed, and um, and yeah, so you guys can do that. If you don't have a Bible, it's probably one in a chair in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, do me a favor, take that one with you. That's our gift to you. Uh, we'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God and be reading that on a regular basis. We um, I, th- this week on uh, MSN on its homepage there was an article uh, about a tree in Central America that has been discovered that they're doing some testing on the leaves. That it appears to be a, uh, be able to make a great weight loss product in a pill, right? And so, uh, and so far they've only done testing in mice, okay? But they're heading towards human testing with this, and. It appears, actually, according to the article, will work better on women than men. So that's really good news, ladies. For those of you who want to lose weight, there's already applause for that, you know. And you know, and I remember years ago I was watching an infomercial, you know, and I was tempted by one of these products. I mean, there's nothing more appealing to Americans than weight loss in a pill, right? And so, you know, so I was watching years ago this infomercial on this product called the Fat Whacker right? And I was, I was intrigued by the fat whacker. It was, a, it was a powder that you would put on your food. And, and this is what the information said. It said it would arrest the fat in your stomach, okay? And then it would eliminate the fat from your body. Now, it never told us exactly how it eliminated the fat. I had my suspicions though, okay? And so, man, and I was super tempted by the fat whacker. Like, man, what a great product, you know, easy weight loss and and that's kind of the culture we live in, right? We want it all to just come really easily, and and man, it, wouldn't it be great if I, you know, became more like Jesus easily, and if you know I could grow a business easily, and I could be, you know, whatever. We we all want things to come easily, but the but the truth is, even in the process of developing more like Christ, or, or to use the theological word, the process of sanctification, okay, uh, there are some challenges, and there's you know that takes some some effort that we the, uh, of of journeying. Grace that God has given us, and 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 it doesn't always come easy. And so you know we've been going through the the Apostles' Creed, and this morning, and if you remember, I said that, that the Creed is laid out in a Trinitarian nature, and we 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 went through it and talked about the role of our Heavenly Father, and then His Son Jesus Christ. And this morning, we we transition to the to the role of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And and, and and man, I love this. And and so one of the things I want you to see is, is as we journey uh, with the Holy Spirit as Christians. Okay, that there is a process in developing uh, to be more like a follower of Jesus Christ, and so, uh, and so you know, it's interesting too that uh, the the Apostles' Creed kind of talks about the Holy Spirit and quickly moves to the overflow and the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's really later creeds and councils of the early church that really define the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But So as a church here this morning, let's do this, okay? We're going to confess the creed together. Uh, we've done it every week. You only have to do that one more week. i got good news for you on that if you're tired of it. But hopefully it's beginning to stick, okay? And the, and the reason I wanted to do this for six weeks as a church is, is that you'll begin to have some of the essential doctrines of what it means to be a Christian kind of memorized in a memorable form format, okay? So let's do this, all right? We'll do the creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of a Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Man, that's a great creed. So let me do this, all right? Let's jump in. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, okay? And and the creed, the Apostles' Creed, actually doesn't... Uh, Unpack a lot of the working of the Holy Spirit. So uh, today, and I've taught on this several times this year, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, uh, but I do want to just briefly give you some insight into the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit brings spiritual life to us, okay? So if there's something spiritual going on inside of you, that's the work of the Spirit drawing you to Jesus Christ, to know God's Son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 3. Uh, Jesus is having a, a conversation with a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus, okay? And, and, and he's attempting to help Nicodemus, Jesus is attempting to help Nicodemus understand spiritual things, and, and Jesus says, if you're understanding spiritual things, Nicodemus, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, John chapter 3, verse 6. Jesus says, humans can, only, can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And so and so if there's something going on inside of you that's drawing you to the person and work of Christ, drawing you to be a worshiper of God, if you're here today and you're a worshiper of God through Christ, that's the work of the spirit that has worked in your heart, usually coupled with the word of God. And so those two coupled together bring spiritual life. So let me talk a little bit about how does the Holy Spirit bring spiritual life, okay? Now, what I'm about to give you is not meant to be exhaustive, okay? It's not every way that the Spirit works, but I just want to give you a couple ways, okay? Uh, Number one, the Holy Spirit brings spiritual life by convicting us of sin, all right? There is a conviction of sin that is healthy. There's a conviction of sin that actually leads to life. All right, John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says this. He says, he was teaching his disciples, he says, but in fact, uh, it is best for you that I go away. So he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection and his ascension to the Father, which Pastor Andrew talked about last week. And he says, it's best for you if I don't go away, because if I don't, then the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. And of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. Now, that sounds really awful, right? Like, oh, like, what, what? Like, that's all the bad stuff. No, that's actually the good stuff. Here's why. Paul teaches us that, the, that sin has a wage. The wages of sin is what, Church. It's death. So, so if you're being convicted of sin, and you're being reminded of the righteousness of God, and if you're being reminded that one day I'm going to stand before God the Father and give an account of my life, that's all a really good thing. And Jesus said that's the work of the Spirit actually drawing you into life, because the beginning of life is understanding that apart from the path of life, you're on the path of death. And so sin is being convicted, and you're going, man, I can't continue in that. And if you're here this morning, and, and the, as you've been attending Coastal and hearing the preached Word of God, and you're beginning to have a, a hint of conviction in your soul, that's the work of the Spirit, man. That's a good thing. Continue to listen to the voice of God's Spirit through His Word and convicting you of sin. And when we bow a knee to, to Jesus and we become a worshiper of Jesus, the next thing about uh, this path of life, spiritual life that the Spirit works in us is when we bow a knee to Jesus, we get a pledge or a deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and the Holy Spirit then is a pledge of our salvation. It's a down payment, it's a deposit. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter one, the apostle Paul says this. And he has identified us as his own by placing what, church? What's he placed? The Holy Spirit. All right? There's only one of you awake, so let's do that again, okay? He has identified us as his own by placing what? The Holy Spirit. He's, we're identified as followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit being placed in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that has been promised. You hear that? It's a deposit. It's a it's a pledge. One of the things I've been teaching you through the years is to use this language of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. All right, you've heard me say that. What? That's the work of the Spirit. When we become Christians, we get a deposit. We get a down payment. Of the Holy Spirit in our lives as a pledge of all the future promises of God. Why do I talk about the now and not yet of the kingdom? Does are there times that that God does the supernatural here on this earth in our lives? We see it as like it's an obvious work of God. Yes, are there times that the promises of God don't have their fulfillment now? Of course, but all of God's promises will eventually find their fulfillment in what Pastor Andrew kind of hit in, hit on last week in glorification when we get to heaven. All of God's promises will find uh, their fulfillment in heaven. But we live with the now not yet. I I, I say this, we c- can we pray when someone's sick or someone's battling cancer? Can we pray for healing? Yes. Does God sometimes heal? Yes. Does he always? No. Why? Because it's now and not yet. And we don't know where we are. What God is in the process of doing is bringing most glory to his son, Jesus Christ. And he can do that through healing and he can do that through a path of suffering sometimes. And we don't know where we are in that process. It's the now and now. Yeah, why? Because we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit. I think, you know, probably a normal illustration, you know, whenever I'm filling out a little survey from wherever, you know, and they'll ask, are you a homeowner? Right? Are you a homeowner? In my life, I go, yes. Do I own my home outright? No, I'm trying. I am really trying, okay? But why? Because I put a down payment on the home, and so that makes me a homeowner. And what that means is I've got skin in the game, right? And for those of you maybe who are in the rental home business, like you, this is kind of a common thing. And if you're a renter, I'm not necessarily throwing you under the bus, but a common thing for people that are in the rental business, they know this to be true, that oftentimes renters don't take as good a care as the property as they would as the owner. Why is that? They don't have skin in the game. When you put skin in the game and now the, the property is yours, what do you want to do? You want to take care of it. You want to make sure the lawn looks good. You want to upgrade it from time to time when you can. You make sure the payments are made on time so that you can keep the, the deposit that you've made on the property. Does that make sense? So, so when people ask me, Sean, are you a homeowner? Yeah, I'm a homeowner. Absolutely. I've got skin in the game. It's a great illustration because I think that's the part of the teaching of the apostle Paul. We get a deposit of the Holy Spirit and God is now in the process of... Of making sure we see through to glorification. Does that make sense? He's not paying us off. We've already been paid off by the personal work of Christ. But he's seeing us through of the now, not yet of the kingdom. And eventually, man, we will be glorified. He will see his work through. Isn't that good news? That what God started, he's going to finish through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings life because there's a deposit. All right? The Holy Spirit brings life through giving us comfort and encouragement in the journey. Spiritual life. You know, I was was praying with the praise team before we came out here, last night I was was reading through the Psalms a little bit, and I read Psalm 92, and it made me think of corporate worship, the very first line in Psalm 92. says, man, it is good to sing praises to God, isn't it? There's something about gathering corporately and singing some praises to the Lord, you know, and go, wow, God, you're awesome. We give you praise, right? And, And so what the Holy Spirit does in praise is it encourages our hearts, gives us comfort and encouragement in the journey of life, in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. John chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus teaches. He says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, as my representation, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. The word advocate means comforter. He's with us. When life gets difficult, God reminds us of his promises. You know, part of the reason we gather corporately, and I, you know, I would say, you know, coming to church isn't a checkbox, Man, God's happy with me if I sing a little and I give a little and I serve a little. You know, it's not a checkbox. Gathering corporately, part of it is to hear the teaching of the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God that encourage our hearts. The Holy Spirit takes those truths, reminds us of the truths of God. And when you're in a dark place or a difficult time, woo, that truth just encourages your heart. Have you ever had that happen? Uh, and there's, it's weird as the pastor where sometimes after I teach, someone called me and be like, were you in my kitchen last night? You know, because that's exactly what I was talking about. What is it? That's the word of God coupled with the Holy Spirit that reminds you of truth, that encourage your heart Till one day we see God face to face. Does that make sense? And so the Holy Spirit, he's our advocate. He encourages us in the truth. He reminds us of God's promises. He, he strengthens us. And that, church, is spiritual life that's in our hearts, in our soul, and in our mind. And so I agree with the early church and the creed, man, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now it's here that the creed then immediately moves from the Holy Spirit to the natural overflow of the working of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember week one, I talked about this briefly. I'm just gonna talk about it briefly now. When when the Apostles' Creed uses the language Holy Catholic Church, our mind immediately goes denominationally, right? It's a denomination. That's not what it meant early on. Okay, the word Catholic means universal. Okay, or united, and we're, we're going to talk in a minute about the things that, as a church, we're united around, okay? We're usually united around, at Coastal, we're united around some essential doctrines, okay? We've got some, if you come to our membership class, okay, shameless plug, okay, we're having a membership class next Saturday, okay? Five o'clock, love for you to begin, and we'll be there, and we're, we're, uh, um, we'll go through, man, these are essentials for us. We're united around our eight essential doctrines, okay? We're united across the cultures, you know, one of the reasons I always tell you, man, I want everybody at TNC Coast to go on one missions trip cross-culturally. Why well, do I don't want you to do that? I want you to see how the church is united cross-culturally. You have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. They're not American, but they're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're in the kingdom of God. I want you to see that. I want you to worship with people in a different culture. We're united cross-culturally, and we're united across the ages, It's one of the reasons I want you to know the Apostles' Creed, because I want you to know, hey, man, this stuff that we believe, we didn't just make up here in in 21st century America. Man, it has been passed down from generation to generation, and you are now in a position as as Christian men and women to pass down the truths of God to the next generation, okay? And so we're united across the ages, okay? One holy Catholic church. And so the Apostles' Creed reminds us of the the overflow of the Holy Spirit, okay? reminds us of the importance of the church now um, the church what does the church mean okay the word church uh, literally means called out literally means called out Um, when i get a lot of times when i uh, address you all i will say church okay why do i say that well for one I, i want us to i want to change our thinking you know we live in a culture where a lot of times we say we're going to church right and what we mean I get what we mean by that it's the building up there we gather for corporate worship okay but that's a really bad understanding in some ways of the, the word church because what what I think it implies is we've come sometimes it implies that maybe God lives at the church building and so then we can leave God there okay and we don't take him with you and, and with us and and I want to remind you you're the church the church is the people it's not it, it's not a building on a street corner. All right? It's a the building is a is a tool to encourage the saints, to encourage the church to be more like Christ. And so the word church literally means you're called out. You're called out. You're called out to be different. And I assume that many of you here are, are believers. And so because of that I, I say when I address you I say church. Church, you're called out. You're called out to be different. See, part of the ineffectiveness of the church in America is the people that are the church really aren't that much different in areas of holiness and righteousness. And so when I address you as church, that means you're you're called out to be different. You're called out in character. You're called out to reflect the righteousness and the holiness of the God that we worship. We're called out to use our time differently. We're called out to use our talents differently. We're called out to use our finances differently. We're called out to parent differently. Listen, I've got teenagers, right? There has been an occasional time in my home where I've heard, well, everybody else gets to, right? Yeah, guess what? We're called out. You're not going to get to be everybody else. When you're paying your own bills, you can do what you want. All right? You ever say you can do what you want? But, but in the meantime, we're going to parent differently. Why? Because our home is set apart. We are called out. We are going to be different in this home than, than the rest of the world. Your workplace, you're called out to, to work differently, to honor your boss and to honor the Lord and work hard. Christians should be the best workers in the community because they're called out to be different. You're called out for your community service. You know, when you work for a club or you coach or you, you're out in the community, like all of that is, is different. It, it's different for you. It has different purposes. It's to invest in people and to honor God. You're called out to be different. You're called out to reflect the glory of God in your life. And so the Apostle Creed reminds you, one holy church, man, we're called out but the church also has has with it the idea of being a unified body, okay? Being a unified body, and that's first that's 1 Corinthians 12 language. I don't have time to unpack all that, but uh, the Bible uses the word that a church is the body of Christ. I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus is the head. He's the head of this church, but we are the body. We, we're the ones that represent if you will Jesus Christ here on earth. Okay? And so we're unified under Jesus Christ as the head of his church. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. It's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? About the importance of Jesus Christ. I love the actually where it says he's put all things under the authority of Christ for the benefit of the church. I mean, I, I've said this before. A church that will be dangerous enough to align itself with the purposes of God, God will bless that people. I want you to hear that. No one's excited about that, Okay. God will bless that people. Say, you know what? I'm dangerous enough to align myself with the purpose of God and making sure that Jesus is made famous in holiness and righteousness. Jesus is made famous in all nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. A church is dangerous enough to love God and love others. A church is dangerous enough to take the great commissioning of Christ seriously. That church will be positioned to, uh, to, to, because all things have been placed under the authority of Jesus, who's the head of the church, for the benefit of his body. Does that make sense? That's pretty amazing. And more, you know, listen, when I, like, when I get up here and I talk about tithing and people go, oh man, he's well, he just after money. No, I'm not after your money, man. I'm after you to position yourself. Don't you think God can bless your finances? All things have been placed under the authority of Jesus, who's the head of his church, for the benefit of his church. Pretty amazing stuff. We're unified under the stewardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, there's some of the things that unify us. We're we're unified under the stewardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do something really weird here this morning. I'm going to give you a verse from the book of Jude. Okay, so here we go. Ready? How many of y'all ever heard a sermon preached out of Jude? As I was putting this verse together, I'm like, I'm going to preach out of Jude just to do it. Okay, so here we go. Jude Jude verse 3, okay. Dear friends, the author of Jude says... I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation that we all share. But now I find that I must write to you about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his what? What's it say? To his what? Who are those holy people? It's the church. We're to steward the truths of God. We're to influence and, 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 and permeate our culture with our words, with our deeds, uh, with our generosity. We're to permeate our culture. And you know, one of the things that, like, when we talk about doing missions at Coastal, you know, we feeding people, going on mission, whatever, when we do those things, like, we're not just a, 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 an entity that makes sure people's bellies are full, that, that we love our uh, humanity so that with the hope of introducing them to why we would feed, make sure their bellies are full. Does that make sense? Because we love them the way Christ has loved us. And we want to introduce them to Jesus Christ. We want them to know, hey, God not only cares about your, the things you care about here on earth, but he cares about your soul. And we, we love others so that we can introduce with the gospel of Christ. And we steward the gospel. We've entrusted with the truth that we're to pass on from, from one generation to the next. Um, the next part of the creed reminds us that there are some New Testament commands that I believe are are impossible to live out apart from committing yourself to a local church, to a local group of people that are called out. The the creed goes on to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. What's the overflow of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. The communion of saints. The word uh, communion literally means fellowship, okay? It's the idea of sharing with one another, and we could, we could certainly go to Acts 2 and look at the early church about how they were sharing with one another. But uh, <clears throat> for the sake of time this morning, let me, let me just give you a couple examples that I believe require committing yourself to a group of people in order to fulfill these scriptural commands. Number one, we're called, and I, d- I did a series about a year ago on these. That's why I'm, I'm going to kind of move through them quickly, okay? But number one, we're to love one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, I love that, uh, the way the NLT actually does that. It says, don't, don't just say or don't just pretend you love people. Really love them. As followers of Jesus Christ, the deposit of the Holy Spirit is put in our lives for spiritual life. The growth of that spiritual life is we should really love people. Does that make sense? The overflow of really loving people is to, is to carry the burden of sin and brokenness for each other. We still we still live in brokenness, right? And so there's times where people have a need. So one of the ways we love people love people is to really carry their burden. Galatians chapter six, verse two: "Bear one another's burdens." It says that takes a commitment of yourself to other people. Number three: serve one another. Galatians chapter three, thirteen. Apostle Paul reminds us: "As an overflow of the gospel of Christ, man, we are to serve one another. We're to encourage one another. Number four: we're to encourage one another." 1 Thessalonians 5:11 to, to grant encouragement. How, man how negative the church often is towards one another. How quick we are to put down instead of encourage. 1 Thessalonians Paul says encourage one another. Forgive one another, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Forgive one another, as you've been forgiven in Christ. By the way, what is, when we're encouraged to forgive one another, what does that presuppose? Do you ever think about that? What's that presuppose? You're gonna ha- you're gonna get your feelings hurt, right? So it kind of presupposes, hey, uh, nobody, you know, we're not perfect yet. We're we're in the process of moving towards glorification, where we will be perfect. In the meantime, as sinners, people are still fr- uh, uh, now we've been freed by the gospel to wrestle with sin, but man, we still sin, and because of that, uh, as sinners, we're gonna hurt people's feelings from time to time. By the way, if you're checking out Coastal and you've been, you know, I hear this sometimes, oh, I love this church, you know, and I always get that from new people. Listen, I love this church too, okay? But listen, we're not perfect, there's going to be a time where the pastor hurts your feelings. I can guarantee it, okay, because he's not perfect. I know him really well, okay? And so a um, so presupposes supposes that that's an opportunity to work some things out together and forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. These, these commands, by the way, a lot of the, the five I just listed, most of them don't, don't happen sitting in f- straight rows facing forward. Right? Where do these kind of commands happen? Anybody? Anybody know where I'm going with this? Where do these kind of commands happen? They happen in small groups. Right, where you intimately get to know some people and, and, and you love them intimately and you serve with them intimately and they offend you sometimes and you work that out and you forgive them. Okay, that's where that kind of happens. And so the creed reminds us the importance of communion, okay, fellowshipping together. And then it says the communion of the saints, right? The communion of the saints. Now, uh, all the New Orleans football fans right now are like, Yes, the Apostles' Creed's got our team. Okay, no, 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 okay. Um, The word saint, now some of you are sitting here thinking like, when you hear the word saint, you think about people out there or people from the past that were really spiritual. Did you know that this is one of the New Testament terms for Christians? You're a saint in the eyes of God because of the call of the gospel. The word saint means consecrated or set apart. Sounds a lot like the word church, right? Do you hear this kind of this common theme? Church means to be called out, to be different. A uh, saint means to be consecrated or to be, or to be set apart, okay? Ephesians chapter one, verse one, Paul says, <clears> "This <throat> it says, it's Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who were in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean we're a perfect church, but man, it means we have a new identity, and, and as having a new identity, we strive, we're not striving to earn God's favor, but we're striving to live up to our name of who we already are in Christ. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this. Uh, I think I have this on a slide. I, I think I have this on your handout. It says He said, righteous, not in fact, but in hope. I love that. We've been declared righteous. That's the doctrine of justification. We're now freed up from the dominance of sin, and now we're free to wrestle with sin. Okay? And so, and, and, and that's sanctification. And then there's glorification where we will be righteous for all of eternity. Okay? So our hope is we will be righteous when we get to heaven. I love that. I read this quote this week. I don't have it in your handout, but St. Augustine says this. He says, As far as it pertains to the saints, it, meaning sin, Sin loses its dominion on earth and it perishes in heaven. Oh, I love that. As soon as we become a Christian man, sin loses its dominion in our hearts and it will find its death when we get to heaven. No longer will we wrestle with our flesh. Isn't that good news? For those of you who are saints, man, and you're trying to uh, you're trying to honor God as an overflow of the gospel by pursuing righteousness and holiness, sometimes that battle becomes wearying, doesn't it? And it's good news that it perishes when we get to heaven. I love that. And so it makes me hope all the more in Christ, hope all the more in the gospel, and honor him. Now, I want you to do me a favor. I know it's early. This will wake you up. I want you to look around the room for a minute. This is one of the things I get to do that I love, love, love. Just look around the room. Look at the people sitting around here. Not just your spouse. Don't play goo-goo eyes right now with your spouse. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? <clears throat> look around the room. The Bible calls the people in this room that are followers of Jesus, he calls them saints. He calls them saints. And I want to caution you. The next time you're tempted to, to put a brother or a sister in Christ down. I just want to caution us as a church. like, like Tread really lightly there. And I want to challenge you to have the picture and the world view that Jesus Christ has of his church. Because Jesus has a whole different view of what's going on here. The people in this room, they're called out by God as saints. Does that mean they're perfect? No, but it does mean they're progressing in their sanctification and growing in grace, living up to their name. And our God in Christ, he looks around the room at his people and he sees something beautiful. And one of the things I love when I'm preaching, I remind myself as I'm preaching, I I look around the room and I see the saints of God and I know many of your stories and I see you're progressing in your sanctification and I know the paths you've left behind and how you're pursuing Christ. man and and my heart just wells with thanksgiving, right? Have you ever looked at something so beautiful it took your breath away? Man, I, I have three kids, Right? And when each of them were born, the first time they, they were put in my hand, man, I know you all think your kids were beautiful, man, but I'm going to tell you something. Like, holding my own kid, man, it, it, it took my breath away. I don't even like kids, you know, like, kind of thing. Like, I don't, like, if you, if you have a baby and you want to handle me, like, don't handle me. I get nervous around kids, but my own kid, man, it's like, wow. This is beautiful. Was stunning. And I think about the church of Jesus Christ. I think, I think God kind of does that with his children. He goes, Man, they're beautiful. And then if you have multiple children, right? If you have more than one kid, then your kids start fighting, right? How about that? When your kids start fighting, what does that do to you as a parent? Please stop. Right? And what encourage us as a church, man. As we look around the church, that these are the saints of God. And whenever whenever we get frustrated with one another, I want you to remember this. We're going to spend all eternity with each other. That person you're frustrated with, they're, if they're in Christ, they're going to be in heaven with you for all eternity. So let's work it out now, and let's honor the Lord in our church. Called out, saints of God. And I love how the... Apostles' Creed uplifts the church. I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. I want to encourage you here this morning, my prayer for you this morning, is that we, God's people, would choose to see His church in the same light as He sees His church. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. And, uh, Lord, I pray for your church. Thank you for your people. Holy, united, um, called by God, saints. And, uh, Lord, thank you for uh, this creed which simplifies the truths of your word as essentials for us. And, uh, Lord, I pray for Coastal. We would be passionate lovers of God and Christ, and we would passionately love and serve and bear one another's burdens. We would love each other deeply, quick to forgive, and quick to lavish with love. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay. I'm going to make a transition, so ushers, do me a favor, have a seat for one minute, okay? You don't have to come down just yet. I told you guys each week I was going to give you an update, right, on on where we are with the Kroger building, and so today's an important one, so I need your attention for about five minutes, okay? Um, And I want to read you one verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Okay. And, uh, and so what I'm about to give you on the way out today, I'm going to give you this. Okay. It's a pamphlet of information, uh, that brings a little more detail about the potential of, of us acquiring the Kroger building. All right. And if we move forward, we're going to do a campaign together called beyond. Okay. So that's why we're titling this. And, uh, we got that idea from Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, where the apostle Paul reminds his church. Now, glory to God, uh, by his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. And so we've kind of paraphrased that on this front of this handout. It says, all glory to God who is able to do beyond all that we would ask or imagine, okay? And so, and so uh, what I want to do is I want to quickly go over this with you, all right? Uh, I'm going to try to do it as quick as I can, but you'll have it with you, okay? And then what we would like to do is uh, we would like to bring this opportunity to a church vote in two weeks, okay? And I told you that was coming, <clears throat> and our, <clears throat> our hope with this handout is it will answer your questions, okay? So page one. Uh, let's go to page one, Noah. Uh, this is a letter from Pastor Sean, okay? <clears throat> and uh, yes, that's my signature. Okay, so uh, it's pretty pathetic. But yeah, you guys can read that when you get it, all right? Page two, Noah, let's go to the next part. And I'm going to move through some of this quickly uh, just because you can read it for yourselves. This is the history of Coastal Community Church uh, coming here uh, on this location for the first time. And you can t- you can read that for those of you the history would be new. Okay. Next page. Uh, <clears throat> we want to go beyond our, what we could even think or imagine. Okay. And this is where, you know, the Kroger building. And, and uh, again, I went over this. How many, no, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Uh, Joey and Josh, can we do this at, again at this week on Facebook? Can we put up the sermon I did uh, on the vision? Okay. So it'll be up there. I spent a whole lot of time on this, uh, private about three weeks ago. Okay. So I'm not going to rehash that, but again, this information is there uh, for you to see. Next page. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this is the facts of why we're even, the leadership of Coastal is even considering this move. Um, and so again, it's a rehash of the vision that I shared uh, several weeks ago. All right. And i so I'm not going to rehash that, but the information's right here. Now, if you have questions during this process over the next two weeks, Please, please, please contact one of these people. Okay, I've been kind of naming them by name, like, hey, these are the people to talk to if you have questions. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm giving you their now email information, and please, please, please contact them. We want them. We want you to have all your questions answered before we get the vote. Okay. Next page, uh, Noah. All right. Here's a little bit of an addition. It's something I've been thinking about and praying about. My hope here is not to confuse. Um, And so that's the danger of what I'm about to offer you, Uh, but I want to be clear, okay? Um, One of the things that I'm very passionate about, and Coles very passionate about, is making sure that we're on mission all the time, and we're doing what we can to make sure that the name of Jesus is spread to every tribe, tongue, and nation, okay? We have an opportunity this uh, summer, uh, we're sending a team of about 50 to Honduras, okay, which we've build a really good connection there in Honduras. And, and there's a ministry in Honduras called Sparrow Missions, okay? They are in the process of building homes um, for orphans and and just children, okay? So some of them are orphans, some of them are not, but children's homes. And uh, and so we are sending a team down there to, to build out a home that will house six to seven children, and then that home will have a house parent. Does that make sense? Okay, the actual shell of this home cost $20,000. So our team's going to go down there, build it out on the inside. Okay. But the home itself needs to be purchased. So here's what I'm dreaming. Okay. I don't want to just build Coastal's home. I'd like to build a home for some children in in Honduras that don't have a home. Does that make sense? And so this home costs $20,000. So what we would like to do as part of our fundraiser is tithe on the first 10% up to 200,000 that comes in for a home for other kids. Does that make sense? Am I confusing you? No, I hope not. So, again, it's, we want to make sure we're not just building our home. Uh, we're building home for others. And so that information is here. Okay, we'd really, really like to do this, and we'd like to house seven kids. And then our hope is as we continue to take these trips, these will be our kids. Does that make sense? Uh, in Honduras. Okay, next page. And you guys can read that again. If you have any questions about that, let me know. Um, <clears throat> next page is, I talked about this on the sermon I did, so I'm not going to go over that. This is our timeline of what how we'd like to accomplish We are going to vote on March 22nd, okay? On April 19th, that's after Easter and after spring break, we're going to do a sermon series, a four-week sermon series. That I'm just going to be honest. It's targeting as a fundraiser, okay, um, so that we can get into Kroger Building. Uh, and that's going to be April 19th to May 10th. It's going to lay out not just a fundraiser, but it's going to talk about the vision of why we believe God's doing us and then uh, the needs to make that happen. We're going to do a commitment series May 10th. Um, and then, okay, all of this hinges on this vote, okay? Does that make sense? If we don't vote as a church, we're not doing this, okay? That's why we need to, I need to have the affirmation or, hey, as a church, we're not doing it, so it's just the time is now for that, okay? Uh, Assuming all this goes forward, uh, we'll do our initial offering. We'll hopefully, prior to closing, have acquired some blueprints and permits. Um, We'll close on the billing. This is our time frame, and then we'll build out phase one. Okay, remember, phase one is basically we're trying to relocate what we do here over there. Corporate worship, some office space, and some children's space in a lobby, okay? The other phases are listed in there, youth and and more small group space, but those are phase two and three. Is that clear? Has everybody got that? I just want to be clear what phase one is. Worship space and children's space and a lobby is the biggest thing, all right? Um, We're hoping in January to move into the new building, Uh, and then in spring, we're going to start the leadership development for a Gloucester campus, all right, because I know we have a lot of Gloucester people. This is an extended drive. It's a vision that we've had for a long time, okay? And then these are our future phases, uh, and you guys can read that for yourselves. And then eventually, if you remember, we talked about this back piece. We'd love to love to acquire that and do this kind of thing over there, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, So that's the timeline. All right, next page. All right. Part of your vote is an understanding that we got to raise some funds, okay? And I threw out the number <clears throat> that in order for us to do this, this is kind of our target raise. Uh, we need about $1,900 per donor. How would we like to do that? We'd love to do a one-time offering uh, of about $1,000 on May 10th, okay, at the end of our fundraiser, and then we would asking you to commit $50 a month over 18 months. Now, uh, one of the phrases I used couple weeks ago, I'll say it again. This is not about equal giving. This is about equal sacrifice. Am I asking for sacrificial giving? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, And so I'm asking you to consider, um, I'm asking you to consider one giving over and above what you're already giving. So if we have to cut our ministries, uh, then we're really not accomplishing what we need to accomplish. So this is about sacrificial giving. Hey, what can I give up a night out a month? at the restaurant to raise that, okay? I know it's tax season. Can I earmark maybe some of my tax return? I'm, can I save up between now and May 10th enough to bring $1,000, okay? Some people in here can do more, okay? Some people in here can do, do less. It's not about the amount. It's about equal sacrifice. And the only way we're going to do this is if the whole church goes, yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'm praying about sacrificial giving. Does that make sense? All right. All right. So uh, in two weeks, this is the card we're going to give out to vote, okay? Uh, we are asking for your name, and here's why. I want to be clear on this. Okay, we're not taking names and being angry. Okay, it's whatever you think you can do, but legally, uh, we're incorporated under a constitution, and uh, we need to make sure that we count the members' votes. Okay, uh, and so if you're a member of Coastal Community Church, um, it's not that the other votes don't count. It's just for legal speak, we got to know that. Okay. However, in order for this to happen, everybody that's a part of Coastal has to be a part of this. Does that make sense? Or we're not going to be able to do it. So, and so. That's why we're doing that, okay. Uh, and then just letting us know if you're a member or not a member. And uh, and then here's what you're voting on. If you vote yes, you're voting on what we're calling the vision of Coastal Community Church. All right, that's to acquire 101 Village Court. Uh, for a purchase price of $5 million and incurred indebtedness not to exceed 4.6. Okay, I've told you guys we're talking to different banks. Different banks are asking for us to put more or less down uh, and finance different. And again, we're going to choose the financing that we believe is best for Coastal. The highest number right now of indebtedness would be that. We have some that are lower based on how much we would put down as a church. Does that make sense? And so we're giving you the highest number of indebtedness that would incur. It could be lower. All right. Uh, you're voting for us to either sell or lease your, our current location, uh, and you're voting to participate uh, in prayer and financially uh, on our Beyond series. So that's what you'd be voting yes to is the whole thing, okay? It's not like a line item veto kind of thing. Or you're voting no, okay? And you're, you'll be letting us know that on May 22nd. The way we'll do that, we're going to put a card in a bulletin. You can drop it in the offering plate, <clears throat> okay? Very, very simple. And then, if we move forward, this would be your commitment card going forward, and we'll talk more about that in the future. Next page. Um, yes, these are our goals, okay? And I kind of already spelled that out. Uh, we'd love, love, love in May to raise about three hundred twenty thousand dollars right out of the gate, so we can really get going with this project. Does that make sense? I think we can do that. I'm excited about that. All right. So, uh, and then you guys will see. I went through that, so you can see that later. Right. Next page. Okay, there you go. Uh, this is just an FYI. If you're not a member and you'd like to be, okay, the first start of being a member at Coastal Community Church is our membership class. We're doing that next Saturday. So I want to encourage you. If that's something you've been thinking about and praying about, man, we would love for you to be a member of Coastal Community Church. All right? So here's, I'm going to give these to you on the way out, okay, one per family, okay, because color print is not cheap, okay, so one per family, it just helps us save some costs, and uh, you guys can read it over, questions are in there, Uh, so good stuff, right, you excited about it, praying about it, I'm really excited, and uh, yeah, those are all the yes votes, so anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited, so yeah, and I'm excited to bring my offering, I can't, my wife and I have been praying about it, I hope you're praying about it, and uh, I got to, uh, speed along here because I have to do three services. That'll let us do two services. Okay. So, uh, let's, 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 uh, let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity, uh, that you've put in front of us. And, uh, Lord, we, if it's not centered on bringing Jesus glory, God, then it's off base. And so, um, God, as we pray about this as a church body, um, I really, I, I, In some ways, I'm not worried about the resources uh, for a church that is centered on loving each other, loving God, loving others, and spreading the name and fame of Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. I think a church is centered on that. Lord, you'll bless. And so we want to make sure, God, as we pray this through um, and think this through, that Jesus is the center of it passing his truth from one generation to the next, the gospel, to this community and then to the next generation. So God, that's what we want to be about. So um, we just want to center our hearts on the gospel. Thank you for this opportunity as we pray about voting. God, I pray, I know that as believers, that your spirit is in the people in this room that are Christians. And so I pray that your spirit and the word will encourage their hearts, God, and, and uh, God, that we would move together in unity. So I'm excited about that. And uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity you put in front of us. As we have an opportunity to give back, Lord, it's an opportunity to worship you. And, uh, and so we give as an offering of worship, God, of the great and high cost of our salvation. And we give back and say, thank you, Lord, and make your son and his gospel famous through your church. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Joy and ushers, by the way.